0: You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Good morning. That is so exciting to see people come up and say, I believe I come to Christ in faith. I trust him and I want you to know it. And so you are witnesses to people saying, you know, this is this Jesus is my savior, and I want to live my life for Him. Um, today we're going to talk about relationships. So as we as we think about um, as we think about what just happened, this amazing step that people are taking. Um, And we go into, dive into this book of Galatians, we dive dive into Galatians chapter 3, the passage is all about relationship. And Matt, last week when he preached, he said the same thing, this is about relationship. And speaking of relationship, uh, i got to share a short story with you a little bit about my week. So my wife had been talking about highlighting her hair, and she's been talking about it for maybe three weeks now, Uh, and uh, so it happened this week. And uh, you know how it is with guys. Um, Anyway, uh, she highlights her hair, and she sends me a picture in the day. And it's a picture of all this (laughs) tinfoil. And I saw it, and I thought to myself, oh, she's making dinner. (laughs) And I wrote back, what is it? And she just answered with this question mark. And, uh, you know, I just thought, oh, okay, wow. Maybe she's too busy. But anyway, um, so I come home at the end of the day, and I walk in the house with my backpack on, and she's coming in from this way, and I see her, and I go up, and I give her a hug, and she says, she's right here, she says, do you notice? And she stops, and I'm thinking, anything, you know? Do you notice anything? And I look around, and I think... (laughs) And I see the carpet. It's really clean. And I'm thinking, hey, look, the carpet's really clean. You know? And, she, and I'm thinking in my head, that's not it. <laughs> so I'm scrambling here, and I see the cat. And I'm thinking, the cat's in the house. Nope, that's not it either, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, I just gotta, let's just recognize the failure, and let's go do it again. So I go back. You know what? Let's start over. I'm gonna, I walk back to the door, and my kids are watching me. And I turn around, and I walk back in. And I asked the question out loud, did you do anything different? (laughs) So then I'm like, oh, you highlighted your hair. It looks so nice on you. You know, and she's just shaking her head. Um, (laughs) Relationships. (laughs) Speaking of which, how many of you guys can relate? How many of you guys just got elbowed because you didn't raise your hand? (laughs) Okay, uh, um, but speaking of relationships, there are always expectations, and sometimes you know them, and other times you don't, Um, but I remember another situation back in high school. I was a junior in high school, and I'd come from Paraguay, uh, where I had, you know, the last time I was in North Dakota in the U.S., I was a fifth grader, and I spent uh, a year in fifth grade, moved to Paraguay, uh, spent... The rest of my years up until my junior year uh, in the Spanish school system. So I'd read a few books in English, but I really didn't have any education, in, any schooling in English. So my junior year, I come into class, it's the first day of class, and I'm in English 3 composition. It's essay writing. And I don't speak English that well. At least I, I not at the time, I wasn't speaking it that well. Not that I speak it well today. Um, but uh, The teacher says, okay, I would like you to write an essay about your summer and then uh, turn it in. First of all, my summer was not a summer. It was a winter. I was in South America. Uh, So it wasn't that exciting. I was in school. I didn't really get a break, and I was in school again. Um, But I'm like, okay, I'll write something. So I wrote this broken paragraph in, in English, and I kind of slid it in there with all the papers when they went in, and the teacher started looking through the papers, and when she got to mine... She held it up, and she said, what is this? And she's like, who wrote this? And I was sitting pretty much in the front, and she said, what is this? And she, pretty, she chewed me out in front of the class, that I need to take things seriously, and she left it there. So our relationship was kind of tense. <laughs> and I had to come back. I really wanted to come back and talk to her, but have you ever been in that situation where your relationship with someone is tense, you have to engage, you want to engage, but you don't know how they're going to respond? Or maybe you've already offended them and you don't, know, you don't even know what happened. Um, but you have to engage. And you're afraid. When we... I'm going to skip these next two pictures. That's the high school picture. And this um, is another... Uh, Another big, I think it's a very big part of history when it comes to expectations and relationships. It's when uh, the children of Israel were slaves for over 430 years in Egypt and God comes and he rescues them from Egypt and he brings them with all these great miracles. He protects them. You know, he's with them. He brings them to Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, he makes this invitation. I want you guys to come talk to me, to come listen to what I have to say, inviting them into relationship. And so he gives them three days to get ready. And after three days, they come to the mountain where where the presence of God is. And the mountain's on fire. And God's voice thunders. And he speaks to them. When they hear his voice, rather than by faith, coming close, trusting that God, this holy God, would be merciful and gracious. They see this God as holy and judgmental and condemning. And instead of coming close, they back off. And they talk to Moses like, You know what, Moses? This relationship isn't going to work this way. Would you? We want a relationship with God, but you go to God. You ask him what the expectations are. And you, and you come and tell us, and we will do what, he's expect, what he expects us to do, but we don't want to be with him. Can you imagine being God? You're inviting them into a relationship, and they want a list of things to do to be accepted into the family, to be right with him. So he graciously gives them this list. Like, okay, like children... You, 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 you have a diaper that's dirty. You want to get rid of it, but you don't want my help as a parent. You want to deal with it yourself. And basically God says, okay, I can, I, I'll give you a list to keep your life clean. And he does. He gives them the commandments. He gives them the Mosaic Law. And the Mosaic Law is supposed to basically show them, you really need this relationship. You need, you need me, and the question as we get into this, is it possible to be acceptable to God without a relationship with him? It's not. Last week, Matt took us through this passage in Galatians chapter 3, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified? I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He's quoting the Old Testament. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That's the passage that we went through uh, last week. And it brings us to to this week's passage, but when we look at it, basically, uh, he's saying to the Galatians, you're foolish. The gospel, Jesus, was so clearly presented to you. One version says, it was like a picture. I mean, it couldn't have been more clear that you come to God by faith in Jesus. And when you do that, God pours his spirit into your life, enabling you to live the the life that he calls you to live. And so today we're going to look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14, and it's about this being accepted into God's family, and we're accepted and we're able to live by faith by faith. And so here we go, Galatians 3, 10 to 14, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. As we look at this passage, one thing is pretty clear up front. There's this implied implication that people, um, he's talking to the Galatians, you know, if you're going to approach God and you're relying on your works to be justified. The implied idea, the, the, the applied reality, is that everyone will eventually, at some point or, or another, will stand before God. And God will be the judge. And on that day, you will either be declared just, or you will stand condemned. So, Paul is talking to them about that day. And he's also talking to them about how you're living your life right now. And so he starts out with this phrase, and and he, he talks to them about this problem. The problem with relying on the works of the law for acceptance. There's a problem. You can't just come to God to keep these rules. You have to start by faith. Again, it's talking to people who are trying to achieve acceptance by their efforts. And he goes on to say right away, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Under a curse. We'll talk about that curse in a minute. But keep in mind, he says, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. A few years ago, I did a little survey with a bunch of high schoolers. I put up the Ten Commandments so they could see them. And I asked this question. How many of you keep all Ten Commandments? Nobody raised their hand. So I went down. Let's go with nine. Let's go with, let's go with eight. Further, I went down the list. I started seeing hands go up. And I got to one. Most hands were up. Yeah, I, I think I'm doing pretty good. I think I can keep one. Two, three, maybe. And then I started explaining each one of those commandments, the way Jesus might explain them, which he does. (laughs) And at the end, I asked them again, so now how many of you think you keep one, two, three, four? And no hands went up. See, I I think we often think we're doing pretty good. We measure ourselves with each other. We look at each other and we measure ourselves. Yeah, I look pretty good compared to that person over there. I think I'm doing all right. Or maybe that criminal. Or uh, there's this story. Uh, in Paraguay, I grew up hearing it. There, there's, a, there's a pig, uh, two pigs in a pen, and uh, uh, the one's rolling around in the mud. And the second pig walks over to the fence, and there's a donkey on the other side of the fence. And he says to the donkey, when he looks at the pig, he says, look at that pig. And the donkey's just, yeah, uh-huh. Um, we, we often do that. But here, he's saying, you can't just keep part of it. If you're going to rely on the law, you have to keep all of it. You have to keep all of it. And so he talks about if you don't keep all of it, there's this curse. What is this curse? A lot of times we live, we live in a time where Disney films are everywhere, you know, and we think a curse is something like you bit into an apple and you fell asleep, and years later this charming prince comes and gives you a kiss and you wake up, This isn't that kind of a curse. This is a real curse. A curse that, um, a reality that when we pass on from this life into the next, we do stand before the judge. And if on that day we aren't clean before him, if we aren't right, if we aren't just, if we bear the guilt of our sin and our brokenness, then we stand condemned, if you live your life depending on how good you were by obeying the Mosaic Law or maybe your own list of good rules, if you rejected God relationally after he's offered everything, everything through the life of his very own son, and some of us think, well, God is a God of love, so, I mean, if he loves everybody, there's no way a loving God could could possibly condemn someone to eternal judgment if our sin wasn't that big of a deal if it's not that important then why would God choose to send his own son to make a payment the way he did on a cross to die on a cross for us would he really make that great of an investment for something so insignificant? That would be like taking a million dollars and buying a blade of grass. It doesn't make sense. And that's, that's even, that doesn't even compare. <laughs> the blade of grass is more significant. This is God's investment. And, and Paul, clearly he goes on to say, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God. There's no way to come to God and say, "I'm going to keep the rules, and I'll be right before God." There are two ways to see this word justified. Hebrews 11:27 says this: "People are destined to die once and after that to face judgment." This is every man and woman woman's reality that at the end of life, God will judge us. You I'm saying this over and over again, this whole judgment thing. <laughs> it's important. God will judge us, and many who stand before him on that day will rely on the works they've done. But some, some will rely on faith, a faith they placed in this lifetime, a faith faith they placed in Jesus, where they came and said, Jesus, I need you, I trust you, and I'm coming to you just as I am. Just like these people who got baptized saying, I couldn't do it on my own. I choose Jesus, and Jesus is my Savior. You can't earn your status as a child into God's family. It's got to be done by faith. Verse 11 says that. It's got to be done by, by faith. And this righteousness that God gives us, it comes by trusting him. It comes by faith. Imagine that for Jews and Gentiles. Back then and for us today, that we don't have to feel like we're walking on eggshells when we approach God. Like we're coming to a teacher who throws your paper at. We're coming to a God who invites us in. And yet, you know, when when I think about our lives, we're surrounded by expectations. Expectations at school, at work, um, in life in our relationships, and those are outside expectations. Then there are the expectations that we put on ourselves. And sometimes those are the hardest. As we live our life at work, and we think, I don't measure up. Or maybe we hear it from other people. Or maybe there are other people in our lives that just clearly speak that you're not worth it and, you, and are, are saying, you don't measure up. And a lot of times we take those expectations and the way we're hearing those voices where you don't measure up, and we take our brokenness and we pin them on God, and we say, God must be the same way. If people are like that and everybody else is like that, God must be the same way with me. Is that true? Or is God different? What I love about this passage is that that God says, You don't have to measure up to come, come by faith. Will you trust me? Will you come? Will you come to be my to be my faith? The one thing he asks is we we approach him by trusting him. That's called faith. Just come as you are. You don't have to fix yourself. Come and let me let me work work it. Let me deal with this. The problem in Galatia was that there were these people called Judaizers who were insisting that people who weren't Jews weren't Israelites that if you wanted to be right with God, you had to obey the law. You were required to keep these rules. A relationship that is not based on faith. It's based on work. The person who does these things will live by them. I mean, the law was a good thing. It really was. God gave them these rules, and if they kept, even tried to keep the law, you know, to not lie... That's a good thing. It will keep you out of trouble. There will be blessing that comes from it. So it is a, it's a very good thing for life and for, uh, for blessings. It's a great thing. The problem with it is it doesn't bring you into relationship with God. That is something that must be done by faith. So all who rely on the law have to keep everything. And the problem is nobody does. So, what makes it possible for us to approach God? If we come by faith, I mean, isn't he just? Isn't he a judge who has to punish sin? Because he's perfectly just, he's perfectly holy. But there is something that makes it possible, and it's this amazing thing. It's the fact that Jesus became a curse for us. What's this? You mentioned this curse. It's a real thing. It's a real problem. And it, Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Um, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says this. It talks about this Jesus For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This past week in a small group, we were talking a little bit about temptation specifically talking about guys. And there was a book that uh, presented this this situation. Imagine walking into Home Depot or Lowe's or one of those places a bunch of guys and you're walking into the store and you're in the store and in walks in this beautiful woman who is not exactly modestly dressed. What happens? Do guys notice? Uh, Yeah, they notice. That's just the way we're wired. Do we take a second look? If, maybe after looking again, do you fantasize things that that aren't yours? We could go on to other areas, but this says, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. If Jesus was the one who walked into that store, and if a beautiful woman walked in, would he be tempted to take another look? Would he be tempted to engage in things that would be sin? Yes. He was tempted just as we are. He understands our issues with anger, with bitterness, with pain, with lack of control. He understands... um, depression. He understands our temptation probably in ways, definitely in ways better than we do because he didn't sin. He was tempted in every way, but he didn't sin. This is our Jesus. He is sinless. And this perfect, sinless Jesus is hung on a pole. He, he's cursed for us. The curse that belongs to us, he takes it upon himself. Your sin becomes mine. And perhaps we won't really understand that cost totally. We never could because we are separated from God, but he has been in an eternal relationship with his father. This great relationship. And on that cross, he cries out, Dad, Father, why have you forsaken me? He's separated from his father. Why? Because he loves us. He wants a relationship with us. This is Jesus and this word, this word Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. To redeem someone means to buy them from slavery. What slavery? Our owner was sin, brokenness, guilt, and its curse, a verdict of condemnation, A kingdom of darkness being separated from God. And yet the ransom price Jesus paid on that cross was fully sufficient to allow us to be part of God's family by faith. If you remember verse 9, if you go back to last week, go back to a man who came to God by faith. God told him, get up Abraham. I want you to leave this land and go and Abraham, Abraham gets up and by faith even though the odds are not looking he he trusts God and he goes where God calls him and God sees his faith and he gives him this great promise that God would justify the gentiles by faith not just him but down the road we if we come and we trust him he'll justify he calls us right Right before him. And then it says all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Basically God's saying, I'm going to give you this great family, Abraham. And it's going to come through one of your descendants. And years later, Jesus comes. He receives our curse on himself. And he opens up the way for people everywhere to be able to come to God and say, by faith, I want to be part of this family. This family, when we look around, this is part of the family. People who trust Jesus, people who are willing to say, Jesus is my Savior, I want to live for him. Isn't that amazing that God calls us and he makes us part of his family? And What's really cool is he doesn't just redeem us. When we think about redemption, he doesn't just take us and save us from something. He gives us this amazing gift. I don't know if you noticed it when we were reading it, but this amazing gift, it says this, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. What's that? What's that all about? The promise of the Spirit. For over 1,500 years, people kept trying to keep that list of rules to be accepted before God. And there were some of those who realized, I can't keep this. And instead they turned to God and they said, Lord, I need your mercy and grace. And it was the same law that drove them to that. And God accepted them. And then they continued trying to, to, to keep those rules, but it wasn't because they had to be accepted. It's because they were accepted. So they felt like this is what God, how God wants me to live right but he already calls me right. Now, as we approach God, now we don't have a list of rules like that. For over 1,500 years since the law was written, we've been waiting for this great gift of not just just a list of rules, but God himself, the spirit himself, himself being pinned in our lives to teach us how, how we can walk, to teach us how to live right, We come by faith, we come by relationship, and God says, yes, you've come to me in relationship, I'm going to be with you in this relationship, and I will teach you how to walk right. So as we think about, this was the passage, I want us to think about four things. Four things. Oh boy, they all came up at once? Oh no, okay, Uh, here it is. Uh, What about my life? What does this have to do with you and me? And the first thing I want you to consider is this, how do I approach God? How do we come before God? If you don't have a relationship with Him, please listen to His call. He's inviting you to His presence. Um, And He's done everything possible to to make that possible. Would you listen to His call? He is inviting you to come. You don't have to fix yourself first. Just come as you are. He promises to deal with the brokenness. He promises to to do the transformation in your life. He'll take everything that is old and he'll make everything new. Yeah, you'll still have struggles, we all do, but it will be a faith-based, a grace-based relationship with God. You don't have to walk on eggshells with him. So how do you approach God? And if if you're a child of God and you know him, Don't forget that the way you start in this relationship, coming to him by faith, it's the same way you walk this life. You walk it by faith, by trusting him, and you end it by faith. He's there from beginning to end, and you're always relying on his strength. In my own life, walking by faith has been having this communication with God and making big decisions like who am I going to (laughs) marry or should we go live in Bolivia for four years when we're not really sure how God's going to provide or to come back here and invest my life in a group of Hispanic brothers and sisters wondering how God's going to provide for my family. And every step of the way, God's been there. And this was big decisions, but it's also the everyday little decisions. Like, um, you come home, and some days I'm tired. And I get home, and I'm tired, and I want to sit down and relax. (laughs) And I want to do that, and and I hear this little voice in my head that says, and it's not my wife, it's a different voice. (laughs) It's a voice that says, Yeah, your wife has been busy too and she's tired. And then there's this other voice that takes God's word and it brings it up and it says, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And it just calls me. And I can't say that I answer positively to that voice every time, but I'm working on it. And I get up and I engage with the kids and then God calls me to go and engage with her and the way I engage with her today is way better than I, the way I used to engage with her because God calls me to live with her in an understanding way. That means getting it the way she does, which means, Gabe, ask her how she's feeling. What? A few years ago, I would have been like, she would tell me, I'm feeling this. I would have been like, yeah, okay, feelings are overrated. <laughs> that doesn't go well. <laughs> um, listen to the feelings. Listen. She doesn't necessarily want me to fix it. But just to engage with her in a way that God is calling me to do, it's it's about approaching God, but it's about living the way he wants me to do. And, and, And secondly here, it's how important is having a relationship with God? Not just out there, not just a general statement, to you, to me. How important really is it? Because the price tag on this relationship for God was to give up his one and only son who came to live his life here. The, the king of kings, born in his manger, lives his life and dies on a cross, a most humiliating death, the death of a criminal. My death, our death. That's the price tag that God puts on this relationship. That's how much he loves you. And so how can I be indifferent towards a God who loves me that much? How can I just respond with, I don't care? Our response had better be, God, I love you. I don't do that right. I get it, but I love you. Jesus, I love you. Spirit, teach me. Thirdly, Keep reminding myself of the price of redemption. This is really important. The price price tag is so big. When I keep that price tag in front of me, we come once a month and we break bread and we drink the cup and we remember his body was broken, his blood was spilled for me. Why do we do that? That Jesus asked us to, he commanded it. Was it just a rule? There's a purpose to this rule. If we keep that price tag in front of us, we know the value of this relationship. And here we have it once a month as a a congregation, but off to the sides we have it available every week for people to just come and go and take it, remember the price. Because Jesus loves us, and that puts everything into perspective. And lastly, ask this question, how is having the Spirit of God a blessing in my life? If you don't have him in your life, would you talk to God? If you don't have a relationship, would you talk to him and ask him, Lord, I need you? Scripture says the moment you trust him, he'll pour his spirit into your life. If you do have him, if you have God's spirit with you, we have this awesome privilege. And by the way, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. And I will ask the Father. Jesus said, it's better that I leave because if I leave, God will send the Holy Spirit. The thing that's been promised for years. The thing that will give you power. Anyway, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you, to help you and be with you forever. God's very presence. is not just a list of rules. It's his very presence with you. The spirit of truth. In verse 26 of John 14, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. We have this amazing privilege to be able to connect directly with the Holy Spirit. According to this passage, the Holy Spirit teaches us. He's a person there always. He teaches us, reminds us of God's word. He's there when we pray when we need comfort, when we need to make decisions, when we've been tempted, when we're hurting, and when we fail. He doesn't leave. He's there forever. This is God's very presence with us. What a gift. He knows us. Do we know him? The blessing that God's given us. And right now, what I'd like to do as I ask the worship team to come up, I would like this to be more than just about information, about me telling you about God. I'd like to invite you to engage with the Spirit right now. Talk to Him. I'll pray, and then I would like to just have a minute or two of silence. I know what you're thinking. That's a long time. At least my kids would be thinking that. But just to pray, and you can ask God things like, God, what do you think about the way I approach you? The way I come close, or maybe I don't. Ask him to show you what he thinks about the value that you place on this relationship that we have with him. Ask him to show you what does it mean to live by grace with the people around you. What, what impact or what effect it has on our expectations. Would you take a minute and talk to God and just sit and listen and I know you're thinking, yeah, but my mind's going to start thinking and how am I going to know it's not just my mind. Just just talk to him, try it, just talk to God and Listen. And spend some time looking for them. Would you do that, Father, as we come before you? I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the reality of your presence. I thank you for the reality of the power in the Holy Spirit and for his teaching. Lord, would you take your word, which we've heard, and would you use it to cut through our thinking, to help us see who you are? And Lord, Here we are. Talk to us. Help us talk to you. Father, as we move into a time of worship, Worship is all about our hearts recognizing who you are. It's all about praising you and just telling you, Lord, we love you. So would you guide our hearts to you? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I think about expectations and that story about uh, my wife's hair highlighting, um, the cool thing is is that I don't have to measure up. (laughs) She loves me. (laughs) which is <laughs> really cool. But uh, that's, that's our God. When he comes into our lives, that's how he teaches us to see relationships, to see each other and to reach out to a world that doesn't operate that way. Um, as we think about all of these people who chose to get baptized today, they were making a public statement. Jesus is my Savior. I live for him. Could we pray for them? Yeah, let's pray for them. Father, I thank you for... Uh, just these people, these kids and adults who are a witness, a testimony of how good you are, how you love us. I pray that you would give them that power. You already promised it. Lord, would they hang on to it? Would they always see it? That you are with them. And Father, I pray for all of us. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, for Holy Spirit, for being with us. And Lord, help us walk by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and walk by faith. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.